The episode you're about to listen to was released back when the Mere Christians podcast was called The Call to Mastery. Now, if you love Mere Christians, you're still going to love these older episodes because the majority of each conversation focuses on how the gospel influences the work of our guests. With that disclaimer out of the way, please enjoy the episode. Hey everybody, welcome to The Call to Mastery. I'm Jordan Rayner. This is a podcast for Christians who want to do their most exceptional work for the glory of God and the good of others. Every week, I bring you a conversation with a Christ follower who's pursuing world-class mastery of their vocation. We talk about their path to mastery, their daily habits, and how their faith influences their work. Today's guest needs little introduction. We're talking with Daryl Strawberry, who played 17 seasons in Major League Baseball. He had eight All-Star Game appearances, four World Series titles, and a nomination to the National Baseball Hall of Fame. Daryl and I recently sat down. We talked about his remarkable story of how he went from a drug-addicted baseball star to a, an evangelist, a preacher today. We talked about how Daryl submitted himself to an indirect mentorship from Billy Graham, and we talked a lot about the power of praying mothers and Daryl's reaction to finding a prayer journal that his mother had filled over years and years of praying for his salvation. I think you guys are really going to enjoy this conversation with my new friend, Daryl Strawberry. Daryl Strawberry, former Tampa boy. How are you today, my friend? I'm doing well, Jordan. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. So, hey, my team dug up something I didn't know about you when we were preparing for this. You were on The Celebrity Apprentice with Donald Trump in 2010. So I got to ask, what was that like? I was. It was pretty cool. It was pretty cool. I was on there with some, you know, real characters. You know, it was a lot of fun to get to know a lot of different people and and of course, the president was, he was really good to me when I was on the show. I got a chance to meet Brett Michaels, who ended up winning that series. And I ended up coming back after getting fired, coming back to help Brett Michaels. And President Trump gave me 25000 and Brett gave me 25000 for my charity. So it was a great time being part of that event. That's fun. So Brett Michaels won. Who else was in the cast that year? Sinbad, Sharon Osbourne. Quite, I couldn't remember some of the other girls that was on there. That's a who's who cast of characters. It was, it was. <laughs> I love it. Well, Daryl, listen, you're legendary for your performance as a baseball player, also known, of course, for trouble off the field prior to coming to faith in Christ. I actually don't know the story behind you coming to faith in Christ. What's the story behind that? How did that happen in your life, Daryl? Well, I believe it comes from my mom, you know, who was a strong Christian woman who lived completely right. And when I was in the midst of, in the height of my career and all my troubles, I, you know, I was living a heathen life and separated from God. And, and I just believed that her prayer, she laid on her face and she was praying and she died at the age of 55 from terminal breast cancer. And wow. we, when we pulled a journal from under her bed, she was praying to God that God would knock me off my throne. She didn't care about my baseball career and success. She said, save all my kids. And she went on to home to be with the Lord, and there we were, stuck, lost, living in sin, separated from God, and 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 then eventually the encounter comes, you know, with God. You know, I had already been saved, and 
91 when I got radically saved at a Marcerillo conference, but I never got disciples. So guess what? I went back to the familiar a lifestyle of sinning and, and lusting and doing all kinds of things and was separated for years. And then God would eventually use my wife today. Tracy was my girlfriend at the time. She He would use her to lead me back to him and set me for seven years, you know, the seven years of sitting and growing and being discipled. And then I started the development of, you know, who I was and what he had called me for. But it's, it's a praying mother and it's a wife. You know, I say God's got a great sense of humor because I, he knows I lust after women, you know, throughout my baseball career and putting on the uniform. And he uses two women to straighten me out, you know. Yeah. So that's pretty impressive of who God is. When your mom passed away, you find this prayer journal. What are you thinking as you're reading through these pages? Like what's going through your mind? I'm just crying. You know, I'm just, I know it was from her faithful prayers that I am the man I am today. There's no question about it. You know, God hears the prayers of the righteous, but God answers the prayers on his time, you know, and, you know, my mother prayed for me all those years to save me. Not only I get saved, you know, I get transformed and become an evangelist and travel 250 times out of the year preaching. So I know that's completely from my mother being faithful to God, you know, over her kids. Not only do I get saved, the whole family gets saved. You mentioned traveled around 250 times a year preaching. Yeah, bring us up to speed, right? Everyone knows you're, you're retired from baseball in 99. What have you been up to over the last 20 years, other than, of course, you know, Celebrity Apprentice with Brett Michaels and the president? Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, you know, I found this wonderful woman in my life who God sent in my life. It's my wife today. We've been married for 14 years. We've been together for about 21 years because she's got 21 years in recovery. We met through recovery. I was still struggling. I was still using drugs, shooting dope, smoking crack, and she was pulling me out of dope houses in South Florida. And I ended up struggling and she stayed clean. I ended up with over 17 years now in recovery, but she's got 21 and, and we met and we went on a journey together. And when we started this journey together, Jordan, it was so, so funny because we had nothing, you know, it was like, I was $3 million in debt, didn't have a driver's license. She was pulling me out of drug houses and saying, God has a plan for your life. And I says, why don't you and that God just leave me here and let me die. And she said, you just not that lucky, you know, and you know, there it was. God was using her to bring me back. Little did I know he would bring me all the way back and he would bring me to discipline and, and sit me for seven years of discipleship before he released me to start going out and being in the public eye. So I'm really thankful for, you know, who God is and his grace and his mercy, his mercy. I mean, his grace is sufficient for all of us. You know, his strength is more perfect in our weakness. That's that Second Corinthians twelve nine. you know, that talks about that. And it's the grace of God that he has over all our lives, no matter how far we fall down in the pit. You know, God is always willing to take one out of the pit and put him into a pulpit for his glory. And I'm no different than, you know, those that were in the Bible that had issues like Moses, Jonah, and, you know, all of them had the struggles. Peter, all of them had the struggles and, and God still used them mightily. And, and that's what he does. You know, he's just he's so merciful for you, you know, that he has this grace over you that he will wait for you. That's that's what I love about him. He will wait for you. So if anybody's out there listening and think they're too far and they, that God's forgot about, he never forgets about anybody. He just waits for you. He waits for you and waits for the right time to utilize you for his good. You're one of my favorite examples of somebody who's just a totally transformed, totally new creation, right? You retire from baseball, You've been preaching for years, traveling around the world, preaching the gospel. You've honed your craft as a speaker, as a writer, as a storyteller. 
So I'm curious, you're clearly mastering this art of public speaking and preaching. Previously, you mastered the craft of baseball. I'm curious what you see as the parallels. What are the commonalities that it takes to master those two very different disciplines? That's so good, Jordan, because most people would never ask that question. And to be able to master those, you have to be very disciplined and you have to be confident in who you are. You know, in in baseball, you have to be confident in who you are. In Christ, you have to be confident in who you are. And baseball, you got to be very disciplined where you got to train yourself. You got to go work out by yourself. You got to go run bases by yourself, be in the park by yourself, smell the grass, smell the air. In the Bible, you got to be by yourself. You got to saturate yourself with the word. You got to turn the television off. You got to turn the cell phone off. You got to go hide in the dark room when you pray, but you hide in a room with God and you listen and you listen to the Holy Spirit who's going to teach you all things in remembrance of who Jesus is, and he's going to teach you the Bible, and he's going to teach you scriptures. Then the Lord said, go read Billy Graham books. I I started reading who Billy Graham was. He was an evangelist, the greatest evangelist, probably ever stepped the face face of the earth, winning so many souls. And God says, study him, and he's going to show you what an evangelist is and what an evangelist does. And I started studying Billy Graham, and Billy Graham was started books started teaching me about scriptures, how to retain scriptures and how how Christians don't know scriptures. And that's why Christians are not living a victorious life. Because if you know the scriptures, you live a victorious life. Billy Graham almost became a mentor, right? Through these books and really studied. So you like really honed in and like studied his life. He was almost a coach to you as you started this work, right? Yes, a complete coach. I mean, it was just like, I was intrigued with what he did as a, a preacher. He preached the gospel. He didn't come across as one that wanted to sound good, like most people standing in a pulpit today, not sound good, but no power. And the enemy knows if you don't have power to stand up there and preach, he knows that he can deceive you. Billy Graham, he never could deceive because a man preached with power and he preached with conviction of the Holy Spirit that will convict us to change, to come back to Christ and ask God to forgive us. And I think that is what has gotten away. And I saw myself preaching like that. And I saw I saw a lot of people didn't like my style of preaching because they, they looked at me like you preach with such boldness and conviction. A lot of churches I, you know, was around before say, well, we don't kind of like preach about those type of things, you know, anymore. Like sin, we preach about love and grace and you know, it's like, how do people get well if we're just going to preach love and grace? Yes, we know God's love and grace, but how do people get well if they don't repent? You know, you don't, yeah. you don't get well if you don't come back and ask God for forgiveness. So Billy Graham taught me that way, and, and that's the kind of boldness I preach with. And I don't preach with it. I mean, it's practical preaching, practical application. It's from a place where I come from. God brought me from a place of death. And he brought me into life. And when you see life, you know that you no longer play with death and you know death is real, which most people probably don't understand and don't think it's real, but it, they'll continue to live separated from God. And I just didn't really want to live that way anymore, Jordan. I really wanted to live a different way according to the biblical principles. Yeah, we don't see ourselves as enemies of God, but that's what we were pre-Christ. Romans makes this crystal clear, right? And we love to talk about God's love and grace, and he is that, but there's a reason why we needed grace. We were his enemy, right? There is wrath from a righteous God. Otherwise, he's not righteous. Amen? Amen, brother. Come on. I mean, I think that's what so many of us forget about. We don't understand. He doesn't have to save us first. Amen. Amen. Okay. But he does. He takes us 
right where we at, all the broken pieces of who we are, and he saves us. And he brings us to the place where not only does he save us, he wants to use you when you allow yourself to be persistent to go after him and surrender yourself daily. I mean, there's a, there's a surrendering part through that process that I was going through was daily. Guess what? When you start surrendering yourself and persistent about God and you start talking about the gospel, a lot of people are going to walk away from me. Listen, I had a lot of people that I knew when I played baseball, but when I started talking about Jesus, boy, did they turn to go the other way? Did they not speak? Yeah. Pick up the phone and speak to me anymore? Yeah. And what I'm saying there was my surrendering part was to Christ. I was okay with all those people that so-called themselves friends, you know, because I had a uniform on and we played together and we did a lot of things together. But when I became this man of faith, you know, all of a sudden I've changed on the inside, but I'm still the same. I'm still a person, you know, I'm not going to change from the person who I am and everything as your friend, but they have a tendency of not wanting to be around you. Not that I was preachy around them. They, they saw me standing on a different platform instead of hitting home runs and slapping high five and low fives, and they saw me winning souls, and they knew it was real, and they knew it was something different about me. Hmm. Hey, I'm curious, what does a typical day look like for you? For the moment you wake up to the moment you go to bed, what does a typical day in the life of Daryl Strawberry look like these days? Well, a typical day looks for me when I'm at home is when I wake up, I wake up with worship. I like to hear worship music. I'm a worship type of guy. I need to enter in with God. I just, I just need him. I mean, I, I know he's been good to me, Jordan, but I, at the same time, I just need to be in the presence of him. I need to feel him. I need to feel the power of him. His presence come over me when when I turn on the worship music. And some morning, you know, some days I could just sit there and I could just weep, you know, because I look back and I think about it, you know, how grateful I am. You know, when I post something on my social media, my Instagram, something like that, and I think back, I think back of all the, you know, the goodness of you know, I posted a picture the other day and I woke up and I was just crying. It was Thanksgiving Day to be thankful. And I was crying and I posted this picture about me and me and my mother. And I was just saying, thank you. I'm not going to say much, but I just need to say thank you for for always praying for me. You know, because, you know, I, I am who I am today. You know, I'm, I'm victorious in Christ. I'm living a, a freedom that I never could live. I, I wasn't living this freedom when I was rich and famous. You know, it was always this pull, this struggle, this bondage. But now, you know, I'm not that rich and famous baseball player no more, but I live such a rich life in Christ. It's so free, you know, and, and that's the freedom that you, you come to. And I just was worshiping God and I was, the tears was just flowing down my face because my mother's in heaven. And I'm just thinking about her. It's you that prayed over me, that has given me the opportunity to be the man that I am today, not a baseball player, but a man. So you get done listening to worship. What's next on your schedule? Well, next on my schedule is probably getting a cup of coffee after that. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Amen. If I'm, you know, in, in that place. And then, you know, I, I kind of settle in because throughout the day, you know, because my wife is usually not here. She's a pastor at the church that we attend here in Missouri. So she's usually gone to work and stuff like that. So I pretty much when I'm not traveling, you know, my worship coffee and then there it is. You know, I go sit in the family room and there it is. I go open the Bible and, you know, I just meditate there, meditate, you know, to Whatever the Holy Spirit wants to send me to, you know, he can send me to a scripture, you know, just to eat on and meditate for about the day about, you know, what it's all about and and what the day is going to bring. And when I don't have a lot to do, like wintertime, I don't even go out of the house. I stay in my PJs all day. <laughs> I love it. So you mentioned a few minutes ago, you mentioned this word freedom. And I think you mentioned the word bondage. I'm really curious, you know, you see these you know, star athletes or star CEOs, whatever. And I think a lot of people can be jealous of that lifestyle. But a lot of times, 
you know, that's enslaving. Fame and riches can enslave you and can become idols. I'm curious if you experience that, if you look back in the season of life and see the wealth and see the fame as a bit of a burden and something that enslaved you during that season of life. It did. It really did enslave me uh, that part of season of life because all you do is accumulate more stuff. All you do is buy more stuff, and, you know, to make you happy to try to satisfy the soul. So more than anything. And so many of us do it. I don't care how wealthy you are. I don't care how famous you are. None of it belongs to you and none of it's going with you, you know. And, and when you go back to the book of Ecclesiastes and you read about King Solomon, who talks about it, he had everything, everything. The wisest, the richest man in Jerusalem had everything that a man could want. But at the end of the day, he said, it's meaningless under the sun without God. Why did I leave God? Why did I go write the book of Proverbs of wisdom and knowledge? And then I go back and write this book and fill the sorrows of, of disappointments of my own self. Cause that's what truly happens at the end of our life. When you look around and you have all this stuff and you know, you achieved all these things. And, and of course they're going to talk about you for what a week <laughs> after you pass yeah. away and then they move on. You know, you're forgotten. You're not forgotten by your family members and stuff like that, but a society has already forgotten about you and they move on to the next new thing and everything. So yes, I mean, accumulating all these things that are accumulating in life. I thought I had it all. I thought it was all important. And I, I did, I lived that life and, and I'm glad that I got to see clear before I entered that place of death, that Christ was the ultimate dream of a life for one to come and know when we all have a chance to get a chance to know him before we leave here. And most people will never get that chance because of all the stuff that they have around them keeps them separated from who God really is. Mm, yeah. I'm curious, and this is a big hypothetical question, right? But Let's say you got a chance to do it all again. You got to restart your career in baseball. But this time, when you started, you're following Jesus. You are truly apprenticing yourself to his lordship. What do you think would have been different about your work as a baseball player had you been following Jesus from day one? I would have took the money and stuff that I had, and I would have used it to build the kingdom. I would have used it for educating people who has low education and who has no idea who Christ is. When you go into inner cities, why do you think they're so infected? Because no one goes in back there and bring about real education. It's just not just dumping a bunch of money in there, but, you know, dumping, go in there. You don't dump money. You, you could dump projects in there, but you got to have some biblical foundation projects that's going to make a difference, that's going to sustain people and take people to a higher level. And education, the education of Christ is so richer than any education that one could get. You don't realize it until you actually open the Bible for yourself. And so if I had to do it all over again, my foundation would be kingdom building. My, my foundation would be winning souls, winning the lost, the hurting, the ones that's been rejected and the ones that's been left for dead, because that's who Christ calls us to go back and win because the rich already have what they have. They don't see God. They see the riches of the land, but they don't understand that the kingdom is far richer than this land here. They don't understand that Matthew 6, 33 is real. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then all these things will be added into you. He's talking about something far greater than what we live here. He's talking about his kingdom that you get to seek after and you get to bring others to that place to know Jesus and have a relationship with Christ himself. Yeah. Amen. So you were still playing baseball when you came to faith in Christ. Is that right? I was. I found Christ yeah. in 91 when I signed the biggest yeah. deal of my life as a free agent. Interesting. And so I'm curious, 
What changed about your work after that point? Other than, you know, maybe how you stewarded your wealth. Did anything change about how you played the game, how you interacted with players? Like, what did that look like? Yeah, I was a different person. And the media was like really mocking me and saying I wasn't, I didn't have the fire in me no more because I had played oh, like- interesting. I had played like eight years and they said, well, he's got into religion now, you know, and he's just, you know- He's a different person. He's a different player. He's a lot softer. He's he's talking different. He's he's saying things a different way, you know. Because they used to. Because I was very confident, you know, when I was before Christ. But in Christ, I was still confident. I just wasn't boasting about it. I guess you know anymore. Interesting. Yeah, you were boasting your weaknesses, right? Like Paul says. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. No, I, I love that. So, Daryl, you've had a lot of challenges in life, some that you're responsible for, but a lot that you're not, right? Like cancer, colon cancer. I'm curious what you've learned about God and his character, having fought through some of those trials. Not what you've learned about yourself, but what you've learned about him. God's character is amazing. And I think people don't take the time out to learn from some of the things that happened to him how good God really is. And I think about it, you know, because I had addiction problem for a long time. And I ended up in a Florida State Prison with a T17169, and that's a number, and, and did 11 months in a Florida State Prison. God was doing for me what I couldn't do for myself. Had I stayed out, I probably would have been dead, you know, had I not gotten locked up. So God allowed me to get locked up. I went through cancer twice I and mean, had cancer twice and lost my left kidney in my second surgery. So God, I always say God has a great sense of humor. He has a great sense of humor of stopping us, of slowing the process of one life down to be able to come in, to be able to maneuver his way in, you know, since you can't come to him, he's going to come to you. (laughs) That's what I love about it, Jordan. See, a lot of people don't understand that, you know, when he knows that you belong to him, you have to belong to him because I was already born again. It wasn't like I wasn't born again. It was just that I had fallen away. But at the same time, he he moves his way in in such a way. You think about like Job, what Job went through. Job was a righteous yeah. man, you know, and he went through and, and the enemy came and, and he just took everything. God said, you can touch everything, but you can't have a soul. And I think that's the same thing sometime in our lives. God said, you could touch, you could take everything from me. You could do whatever you want to, Daryl, but you cannot touch your soul because at the end, I'm going to use him. And Job was so faithful and he stayed faithful. And, and that's the same thing happened to me. I stayed faithful even in the midst of being hurt and being ripped off or whatever it was. I still stayed faithful into who God is. And I think that's that's the key right there. And Job ended up getting a double portion because of his faith. And, you know, I ended up getting restored back 100 fold, you know, a totally different person and just the epistle of Christ, you know, the, the Bible was just like written, you know, not in what ink, but in spirit and truth down inside of me, the, you know, scriptures are down inside of me on my belly. You know, people goes, how do you know so many scriptures? I say, well, they're in my belly. I mean, I spend time with the Holy Spirit. He teaches me. He saturates myself with him and he leaves the word inside of me because I hear what he's saying. So God is so incredible. I think we, we miss the boat of really knowing who he is until you actually enter in with him and stop being on the outside. And just like most people, I didn't want to be a hypocrite no more, Jordan. I didn't want to straddle that fence and just know his name was Jesus, but I didn't know his power was great. Mm-hmm. Amen. So we're recording this towards the end of 2020, challenging year for a lot of our listeners. I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of people have been reading Job <laughs> more frequently this year. This has been a tough year for work. I know a lot of our listeners, you know, some have lost their jobs, business owners have lost revenue, whatever. What advice do you have for them as they're, you know, you're publishing this book, 
Turn Your Season Around, pretty apt title coming into 2021. So I'm curious what advice you have for our listeners who are looking for 2021 to be a more fruitful year in ministry and in work. Yeah, little did I know that it would be a season of Turn Your Season Around. I was wondering why the Holy Spirit had gave me a title like that when I was asking, yeah. well, what's the title of my book? You know, when I started writing the book, I was writing the book before the pandemic even came. And then all of a sudden, the title was already in place was Turn Your Seas Around, How God Transformed Your Life. And little did we know, know that it would be a season where God was going to speak to everyone, not just some people, but he was going to speak to a nation and saying, it's time for you guys to turn your season around and let me transform your life. You know, because everybody's looking, you know, to man, man, man to fix the problem here. And and it can't. It's impossible because it's turned into more of a Sodom and Gomorrah, you know, kind of atmosphere, living in any kind of way, acting in any kind of way, doing any kind of way. And when God told Lot to go, go and, and took his family and don't look back and his wife turned and looked back and turned into a pillar of salt, you know, it's kind of the times that we're living in now. And, you know, everybody just want to do whatever they want, but God has put a stop on it. You know, with, with, even with a pandemic or whatever happened, it has put a stop and it's put a cramp in everybody's stop, lifestyle to say, who's important? What's important? You know, is all this stuff important? But God showed us through this. I mean, I got stronger through the pandemic because I had been traveling and I probably needed some rest and I got some well rested and I just saturated myself in the word with God. And it was just revelation after revelation and God speaking about, you know, a stoppage, you know, to stop people. So give them a chance, give them a chance to know that Jesus is his son. Jesus is Lord, that one day he's going to come back. All this you see here. It's going to be just like it is stopped and nobody's going to have nowhere to go and nothing to do. But who are you as a believer? Do you believe what the Bible says or do you believe what the news is telling you? And I, and I think so many of us gotten so far off on the natural instead of the supernatural, because one thing I do know that God is not natural. He's supernatural. He does supernatural things. And, you know, he puts us in a place where there's a season that we all have ended up in that has to be turned around. I love that. Now, it's a good reminder heading into 2021. Those of us looking to turn seasons around in our career, key is Christ. The key is staying focused on the work that he's called us to do, which is to create and to work and to build for his kingdom. So thank you for reminding us of that. Hey, Daryl, three questions we wrap up every conversation with. Number one, what books do you tend to recommend or gift most frequently to others? Well, I, I try to give away little devotion books. You know, I think it's more important to have, is, you know, a daily devotion for people. Those kind of books, you know, I dive into a lot of those. I mean, I, I like I said, I'm a, I'm a really big fan of Billy Graham. I never met him, but I, I saw his crusades and, and I've been to his library down there in Charlotte. It's just such an incredible place. And he's got so many different books. Do you remember any of the names of the Billy Graham biographies that you read way back when? I'd love to read one. He had a book that has a lot of quotes and it's got a lot of subjects like salvation, like grace. And then he dives in and he tells you the meaning of them. You know, and I, I think that's why the Bible is so clear about how it talks about my people perish because of lack of knowledge. They lack knowledge and understanding of what 
grace is, what salvation is, what hope is, what this is and what that is. I know I did. And when I dove into him, I was just like so puzzled. You know, I was just like, man, this is so real. This is so what we all deal with from a daily life, not knowing because we don't really feed ourselves the right things. We feed ourselves in so many other things. And there's a lot of people that write great books, you know, a lot of, you know, speakers and, you know, people who do all kind of different things, write great books. And, and, their books are, are powerful too, but I find spiritual books are more more telling of right now where we at and what we're dealing with and who you are and how to face it. I think Billy, that's that's what Billy Graham helped me do: learn how to face reality of where we at and what we're doing. You know, I didn't really know who he was. I mean, I knew who he was, but when I saw his crusades, I was like, "That is the gospel. That is what the gospel looks like right there." And that's what we need in in this country today. Who would you most like to hear? on this podcast, talking about how their faith influences their work, right? So somebody who is just really exceptional at what they do vocationally and who loves Jesus, who would you like to hear talk about these topics? Wow. There's a lot of guys, you know, that, that I have a lot of respect for pastors that I got a chance to meet. Greg Laurie, he's a great pastor and, and hearing him talk about his faith and leadership. Bishop Jake's another one. He's a great leader of our time and generation. And, you know, oh, yeah. Just like people like, you know, Jack Graham, those people, Jensen Franklin. I like people who are very comfortable and established and not looking for platforms. They have platforms, you know, and we got so many young pastors who want platforms and they don't understand if you're not prepared for a platform, it's just like a baseball player. If you're not prepared for that that job, the devil's going to strangle you in it, you know, and it's no joke. And it's the same thing if you're a ball player. If you're not ready like some of these other guys when you come to be the best, they're going to surpass you. You're never going to be as good as they are because you're not ready and you have to be ready for these guys. I like guys that's that's been ready, that's been seasoned, that's been through this a long time, and they actually live it. You know, they live their faith out to show us what it really looks like. I love that. All right, last question. You're talking to an audience of people who love Jesus and want to do great work that makes him famous. What one piece of advice do you want to leave them with, Daryl? Don't ever make it about you. Always keep it on the symbol of the cross of Calvary. When we understand the symbol of the cross, Jesus hanging on that cross, and he shed his blood on that cross for all of us, not some of us, for all of us. Then he went to the tomb, then early Sunday morning, he got up from the tomb. So what does that tell you about Jesus? That tells you he's great. No one else is like him. You or me or anybody else, we're never going to get up when we die. He died and got up and he was resurrected. And when he got resurrected, he was resurrected with all power. So that means he was able to do great things more than you can ever imagine. And that we can ever think about he can do still today and still doing it in people's lives. He's always going to be the savior and he's always going to be there to love the lost. And remember, it's about loving the lost. Those that pretend that they have it all together and live, you know, the fancy lifestyle and nothing's never going to touch them. Death is coming to all. No one gets away from death. Your day, God will call your name. Just remember that when he calls your name, you want him to be able to say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Amen. Daryl, I want to commend you for running the race well, for allowing the Lord to turn your life around in such a powerful way. It's such a testimony to his grace, to his goodness, to his great glory. Guys, Daryl's out with a new book, Turn Your Season Around. It's on sale wherever books are sold. Daryl, thank you so much for spending time with us today. Thank you so much, Jordan. I appreciate you having me here. 
Hey, if you enjoyed that episode, make sure you subscribe to The Call to Mastery so you never miss an episode in the future. If you're already subscribed, do me a favor and take a couple seconds to go leave a review of this podcast. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to this week's episode of The Call to Mastery. I'll see you next time.